I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for a drive to Origins. Okay. Well, as you can probably tell, this is going to be a slightly different episode of RFI compared to most of them because it's just me here, DM Matt. And I am actually driving in my car. I literally just pulled out of my driveway and I am driving to Origins and I decided, hey, I'll go ahead and report a podcast while doing driving to Origins. Should be fun. Not to mention, I kind of totally yanked the idea from Magic developer Mark Rosewater. He actually does want a podcast, Drive to Work, and where, like the podcast title says, he drives to work and records a podcast. And he talks in that podcast about, like, Magic the Gathering history game design theory, just all kinds of things. And it's actually really good if you have any interest in gaming, not just Magic the Gathering, because you could pick some of the episodes where he talks about game development or just, like, he did He did a lot of writing for stand-up comedy. He did some stand-up comedy. He did some television writing. So... He also imbibed some of the wisdom that he learned in the in those careers as well, and like how it applies to gaming. And I just find the podcast very fascinating. So highly educational. So yeah, I'm totally stealing the concept. Let's see if it's as entertaining. Um, my drive will probably be about an hour fifteen ish. I. Some of you may know, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, really, I actually live on the north end. Um, actually close to Mason, Ohio. Um, around, like, the amusement park, uh, Kings Island. So, that's kind of where I live. So, I'm actually, so, a little farther north than Cincinnati proper. But, it's still a nice little drive. And figure, let's get some content to you guys. So, so, Origins... Origins is a, the, actually the first gaming convention I ever went to, and it, and I actually went to Origins not because of gaming the first time. I just it, this it was back in 1999 in WCW World Championship Wrestling it just released a trading card game WCW Nitro, and they were doing an autograph signing at. Origins. And I actually found out about Origins because I was looking for wrestling autograph signings. At the time, uh, they actually brought in Nitro Girl Baby and the Disco Inferno to Origins to sign these. To, to sign 8x10s and whatnot to promote the game. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to Origins. So I go there. Well, actually, earlier in that day, me and some other people, we went up. We went up to the now defunct Northland Mall, and actually met Cat, uh, as in Cat uh, Stacy Carter, Cat the dated Jerry Lawler, Cat. Uh, she was actually doing an autograph signing for WWE at that or WWF at the time at that mall. So we hit that. Then we go to Origins and get to the so. Pull into the convention center, just walk in. I'm like, oh, go up to the exhibit hall, walk right in. 
get in line to get the autographs at Disco Inferno and Baby, and one of the attendees, a friend, he turns around and is like, um, you don't have a badge. What? Badge? Uh, well, it's probably okay. Just act like you belong. Okay, I don't think that'll be hard. But, yeah. So, yeah, my first Origins, I actually walked around in it by just walking through the front door and not actually buying a badge. Uh, so, I w so I got their autographs. So I'm like, ooh, games. I like games. So I proceeded to wander around the exhibit hall and check out some of the games and everything. Ended up meeting James Marsters, too, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was doing an autograph signing at the time as well. So I'm like, hey, I got his autograph. I'm like, oh, that was fun. I'll have to remember to do this. Next year. Next year comes, I forgot. The following year comes, I forgot. Well, actually, I do remember, but I kept remembering like the week after Origins because I really, at the time, wasn't plugged into the gaming world. Didn't really have a local game store. My gaming was horribly sporadic and Betty. So yeah, I was kind of a lapsed gamer at the time. But by golly, 2003 rolled around and that's when I'm, I remembered Origins. So I go up for Saturday. And oh my, this is kind of like in the peak D20 bubble. It, Hasbro had just bought Wizards of the Coast not that earlier. Uh, Peter Atkinson had bought Gen Con back in May of 2002, so the little bit of uh, turmoil in the gaming world, the convention world, well, not even turmoil, just, it was a new era, we'll say. So I go in and, oh my gosh, this is amazing! Looking at just all the games and everything, and then Wizards of the Coast was there handing out free stuff like candy. Actually, everyone was. If you weren't going to gaming conventions in the early 2000s, you do not, I repeat, you do not understand what swag is. The swag during those cons was amazing. I had, Wizards of the Coast would go there, and they were just doing all, like, them other games you get a punch in your card, and then you get to roll a giant D20 and add the modifiers from the card you got punched, and you got free stuff. And you could do that every day. And the convention's four days long. So, yeah, lots of free stuff. Um, I think there was one Gen Con I figured out the uh, manufacturer's retail, manufacturer's suggested retail price of all the stuff I got. I've got, like, $400 worth of free stuff. And we're talking like board games, like I got Axis and Allies Europe. Got that one year at Gen Con, or it might have been Origins. I know in Origins I got the uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, 3.5 uh, Star Wars RPG. The core rulebook. I got that as a freebie at Origins. So, you'll have to excuse me here for a second. I am actually pulling cash out of the ATM. Because <clears throat> a good thing to know about cons, it's easier to carry cash. Yeah, most places take cards, but no. Cash, it's your friend. Enter my pen. I will not say it out loud as I type it in. I love you all, but not that much. Get cash. Get me some cash here. But anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. That was, so, back then, yeah, there was lots of money, new money being in, 
divided in the convention scene between Peter Atkinson taking over Gen Con, Hasbro buying Wizards of the Coast. So yeah, there was lots of free stuff to be had. Okay, now give me my cash ATM. Thank you. And now we leave the ATM and continue our drive to Origins. But, so, that was my first Origins, and I only went up Saturday. And I'm, this was, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then, outside of the exhibit hall, there's a booth for this thing called Gen Con. And I'm like, oh, that's in August. I can actually, now that I know conventions are fun, I'll go for like three days. So I went to, for three days to Gen Con that year. Waited 90 minutes in line to get my badge because as people are wont to do when they show up at like 10 o'clock on a, or 9.30 on a Friday. Didn't quite fully comprehend as a newbie con goer when you wanted to be there. So we go there. I go there and yeah, needless to say, I got hooked and yeah, I became a con, one of those con people that goes to cons. Well, Origins and Gen Con, that is. But anyways, with Origins, it's one of these cons. It, it's actually been around since like 1975, and it actually started out as a wargaming convention by a Baltimore wargaming group with the help of Avalon Hill. And so Origins 1 was back in, in scenic Baltimore, Maryland. It was basically a wargaming convention. And then it continued. Then eventually, SPI also got in on this. They're like, oh, this origin thing's cool. So so then Origins was put on by Avalon Hill and uh, SPI. And then in 1978 is when Gamma, the current people that run Origins, finally took it over. And then Origins also was a very nomadic convention for an extent, uh, extended period of time. Because they bounced around everywhere from Maryland. They were in Staten Island one year. Ann Arbor. Chester, Pennsylvania. Detroit. Dallas. L.A. Houston. Or no, no, not Houston. Atlanta. It was somewhere south. And, and it was also weird because, like, the Atlanta one, that was in, in 1990 in conjunction with Dragon Con. And then there's two years Origins and Gen Con were at the same time, too. Which, yeah, I don't think you'll ever see that that again. Any of these three conventions cohabitating like that. But considering 1990 Dragon Con was kind of a new thing back then. So, you got that. So, I'm, excuse me as I take a drink here. Normally I wouldn't be drinking like this on the podcast. But hey, I'm trying to do this without editing. So you're going to get a bunch, little bit of rambling and a little bit of slurping here was I drink my energy drink in the morning. And if anyone's wondering, I'm more of a either a monster rehab or a rock star recovery type of guy. When it comes to my, I prefer like the, uh, not quite as full of sugar and the non-carbonated energy drinks. Those tend to uh, be great for me, more so than the uh, the other ones that, that kind of actually do make me feel jittery if I drink them too fast. So I'm like, not a good idea. So let's go with something a little lighter. Because I'm not a coffee person, just don't like coffee. So, 
How do you get my caffeine infused somehow? So that's the way I chose. <coughs> but, but yeah, I've been going to Origins. I've been most years since uh, 2003. Uh, there was a couple years in like early 2000, the late 2000s, like 2008, 2009s. Origins itself was having a downswing, and as Gen Con was picking up, it kind of got a little expensive to do both because I was actually doing both. Going four days to Origins, four days to Gen Con. And being located in Cincinnati and only an hour and a half, two hours away from each of them makes it kind of easy, but it still adds up. Because it's far enough, it's a pain in the butt to commute every day. But you can do it if you really want, so. But, so I was there going to both of them, and it just, it, or just hit a point where in the late 2000s, the exhibit hall would actually be kind of empty. There'd be like gaps in the, you'd see the floor plan, there'd be gaps in it. They're just like, oh, there's an empty booth, there's an empty booth, oh, there's a booth of people that didn't even bother to show up. It's kind of sad. Um, and it was around that time, actually, probably a year or two prior, Wizards of the Coast stopped showing up. Because it was like, I would say, Wizards of the Coast having like the booth selling everything, they only had a booth for, I would say, maybe four years? Going Four years in, from like 2002 to 2006 when Hasbro bought them, before they are like, nah, we're not doing booths. I think part of the problem was they... The only things they had to sell was stuff other people, their vendors, would be selling in the exhibit hall. So, at that point, they're competing against their customers by selling directly. And so I think, because I remember there was a thing with some Magic the Gathering booster boxes. There was like a, a minimum price you could sell them at when Wizards was at the con, from what I remember. Basically, they were selling them for retail, and the the current the present booster boxes you were selling, you were not allowed to undercut them. You will not undercut them. And they actually had people going around the con that if they caught wind of it, they'd be like, nope, you can't sell that booster box for that much. Wizards of the Coast says so. Because, and if you wanted to continue getting new Wizards product, that was against their license agreement, so, yeah. They, uh, they kind of could have kiboshed on that. Then I think eventually they realized, you know, how much product are we actually selling in full retail? Yeah, we're going there, we're demoing a bunch of games and stuff, but really, what's it doing to expand our, money, our uh, revenue? Uh, also, when you, at the time, that was when Avalon Hill, Wizards of the Coast, Avalon Hill, was putting out a lot of games. A lot of different type of games. More, a lot more than they do now. So they were throwing a lot of things at the wall and seeing what would stick. So I think Origins and Gen Con was also a good way for people to demo those games there and try out all these new offerings. Well, eventually they decided to pull back from that. And they don't. Avalon Hill makes games, but they don't make a lot of new games. It's more like Axis and Allies, the 90th variant. Uh, or you might get like, oh, you got Robo Rally with new parts, or let's re-release this game. 
I mean, yeah, they make a few new games, like Lords of Waterdeep. I re actually recently picked that up. Haven't gotten to play it yet. Euro D&D &D game looks really fun. So I'm like, yeah, I'll get it. Yes, I realize I'm like five years behind the times, but yay. I'm also very cheap when it comes to my board games. <coughs> so, uh, they pulled out at the con circuit altogether, because I think just because they kind of realized, hey, we're getting all this boost space, we're spending all this money, because they would have elaborate sets, lots of volunteers, lots of product, giving away all this stuff. But how much was actually bringing them back in when the, the way they make their money is they sell game books at full price, or, and then they sell uh, Magic the Gathering booster packs. So, they, yeah, they pulled out, and I think that's why the, they, they might send some staff there to do some seminars, to do some uh, panels, and other events, but they don't really run events anymore. I mean, at Orton, this year they actually had a bigger con presence there, like some pa the different PAXs. <clears throat> They're actually at Origins this year. They're doing a couple seminars. Um, one of them, they're talking about, it's going to be like Mike Pearls, Chris Perkins, and some others talking about the, uh, basically giving like DM advice. So I might try to pop in on that one because that could be interesting. Hearing like the D&D team talk DMing. Um, they're also going to have a thing talking about the, advent the new Adventure League they're doing for 5th edition. So I might pop in on that as well because... I've only done one RPGA game in my entire exit life, and that was at the very beginning of fourth. It's actually I like decided, hey, I'll I'll try out. So I did that, and it just wasn't for me. It wasn't fun. There was a couple people at the table, and I think a lot of it might have to do with the table you have. And one of them, in the one game I had, a couple of the players had already played the module with other characters. And they were basically just grinding their various characters through all the events to level them up. So, they were, they didn't offer a lot. They tried to do a little bit of role-playing, but they were just kind of going through the motions because, hey, they're grinding. Yes, grinding in a role-playing game just doesn't seem fun, but hey, I'm not into the into the competitive aspect of it, so it was kind of like, huh, what's up But this? So, but yeah, so they were that, and then the others weren't so talkative, and it was just kind of like, yeah, we're doing this adventure, there's never any, there wasn't room for lots of role play, because it was heavily encounter-based, because it was 4th edition, it was kind of built around the tactical combat system, which I still will say, it's a very fun tactical combat system. It's just that the role, it, the tactical combat has such a huge part of that game. You end up getting wrapped in it and forget about. Hey, we can also role play and storytelling. So I think that's why fourth gets such a bad rap. It had, there was too much emphasis put on tactical war game. So. But yeah, they're revamping the adventure, the doing the Adventurers League and everything that's going on with that. So I might take a peek for you guys, figure out what's going on with it, and uh, give a little report. Let's. And I need to ch check something, y'all. Yeah.
brought my little portable uh, podcasting setup so hopefully we could uh, get schedules to meet up and do a show uh, just do a little more origins talk with like some of the things we've seen and done at origins uh, yeah it, origins will always have a special place in my heart because it's a fun little con I mean, and if Gen Con's getting too big for you, because Gen Con last year was over 60,000 people, Origins was 50. <clears throat> yeah, Origins had its gave once registration issues, much like Gen Con does when it comes to getting events, but it's not as hard. Um, and it's always kind of kept that war gamey, like, roots from back in the Baltimore days. So, it, 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 while it does have some anime, it does have some of the pop culture, it doesn't have it to the extent of Gen Con, it, it's still more of a very large tabletop convention, as opposed to Gen Con, I would still call it a tabletop convention, but it's a tabletop convention slash turning pop culture anime geeky con. It's becoming so much more than just some people playing games in Gary Gygax's backyard. And for some of the, like, I, by going to Gen Con a lot and hanging out in the Gen Con forums, I made a, I made a lot of friends with people that go to Gen Con, and really the only time of year I would see them would be Gen Con. And what I've noticed in the past few years, as the attendance has basically went up almost exponentially. I mean, when you look at the curve of attendance, it's just almost a straight line. Just like, boom, the growth was insane. And as that happened, my friends that were there the first year it was in Indy and have been there every year since, they're not going. We're like, you know, we're going to skip it this year. It's just not as fun. We're not seeing our friends. I used to, at Gen Con, be able to walk around the exhibit hall and just serendipitously run into people I know, talk with them, maybe hang out with them for a little bit, and then go on and then have the same thing happen with other people. It doesn't happen anymore. The events are spread out amongst the hotels. The exhibit hall is so big, you, you lose a lot of those expectations extemporaneous, uh, serendipitous uh, meetings. Yeah. So, it lost a lot of the magic for me when my friends stopped. Because with the advent of the internet and all the sites and Amazon Prime free two-day shipping, you can get just about anything you would find at a gaming convention at home, possibly cheaper for a fraction of the cost to get in. So, going to shop isn't net for me a big reason. It, it was to see my friends. And for me, gaming-wise, I was never big, hey, let's go randomly game at the con unless I was playing like a tournament for prizes and stuff. Because 
I got an amazing game for I'm, I'm going to help brag here about my group for a second. We got a group, and we got six of us. We're all well-adjusted human beings for the most part. We have, like, real jobs and uh, everything. So, we, and they're willing to play just about any game. Board game, role-playing game, doesn't matter. We play it. We get along so well. We, we have so many games we want to play together. Once a year, we rent a cabin in, at General Butler State Park in Kentucky. It, mind you, a very large, air-conditioned showers and full kitchen with satellite cable cabin. But it's a cabin, nonetheless, on a lake. And we play board games all weekend. Because we just love gaming. Not any specific type of game. It's not like, oh, I'm already going to play role-playing games that are these systems or whatever. No, we'll play anything. We, right now, like, uh, we just finished up, we finished up my first edition AD&D game. From that, uh, we did, we did some board games. From that, uh, we went and we did some, we played some only war, Warhammer fantasy military stuff. From that, we went to, we're going to D&D 5th, we got a campaign for that. We're also doing a top secret SI. <coughs> And we're going to start making characters for another L5R campaign. Very different systems. But my group's like, let's play this. This will be fun. And so that's why. And my home group scratches my gaming edge so much, I don't feel the need to game a lot of conventions. That and also, you'll hear some horror stories. Of like bad RPG groups and bad DMs and that you brought into a convention sense like eh I have more important things to do with my time than wasted on a bad session. And mind you, I know there's great DMs out there. I know there's great players out there that play these games. It's just I don't know, it seems a little potluck lottery to me. And it's just not really my thing. It's just like for the longest time, I wouldn't do like I wouldn't even look at seminars or the, the different talks that would happen at conventions. I would just ignore them. And I, and part of my reasoning was, I'm at a con. I want to be up. I want to be doing things. I don't want to just sit there and talk. And I, oh, if I want to hear, sit and listen, listen to people talking. That's what my podcasts are for. So I did it. And I, and I'm looking back. And I'm like, you know, you might have missed out on a few things or you're like, so. That's why this year I'm, I'm going to try to do some of the seminars. That's why they got the couple that the D&D team are doing. So I figured, hey, do those, and I'll do them. I'll be like, well, you're doing this for the podcast. But kind of, I'm also doing it for me, too. Just trying to do more things. Because normally, also, my conventions would be spent playing, grinding Heroclick Battle Royals and Heroclick events. But I've said I'm not in this, the Heroclix scene as much as I used to. <clears throat> it kind of, eh, one, one venue closed up here and it came, it just, scheduling didn't work for me making it to events. One of the events a lot of my friends play at, one of the venues one of my friends play at, record, would record, uh, runs their game on Sundays pretty much at the same time and record, would record RFI. So it's like, yeah, not going to be able to make that. And then so I started missing sets, and I'm just like, I'm really a couple years behind in figs. 
so hopping back into it now would be a little bit uh, more difficult getting reacclimated to the meta game and everything so that's why I'm kind of looking to expand my horizons I albeit I also used to do the, all the hero click stuff because their convention they have a lot of convention exclusive figures and the price these little plastic figures go for on eBay like the day of the con is insane so you could pay if you do well enough you can pay for your convention flipping these silly convention figures which one year I actually did pay for Gen Con by going to Origins and doing that getting the convention figures flipping the convention figures and yeah when you have a little figure you want you might have spent say it took me four events to win one of these convention figures it would have spent cost me $48 that figure sells for a hundred dollars on eBay yeah I got to play four games four in four events so there was the time enjoyment of that and each one of those events was a sealed event so you actually got product to keep and then if you won one you got a hundred dollar figure it was a fairly deep return fairly decent return on investment because it only takes like four hours to get those four events in the, when, you, when you do battle royals so it was almost as a playing hero clicks became a way to pay for conventions for me but then that became a lot of work and actually what really turned me off to hero clicks i think it was chen con 2012 much convention figures the hero clicks people are lined up outside the exhibit hall ready to get them and but let me set the scene for the origins origins would let that whiz kids have people line up in the game hall and let them sell these convention figures in the game hall the game hall is open much earlier than the exhibit hall <clears throat> and even though they're not selling this stuff until like 10 o'clock you could be in line very very early so you get a nice organized line for it gen con however you will not sell products outside that exhibit hall. Nope, nope, nope. I remember the first year Gen Con had their like merchandise booth set up outside the exhibit hall on like Wednesday. I heard rumblings that some vendors were complaining that they were selling their stuff outside the exhibit hall, outside exhibit hall hours. The convention holder uh, people were complaining about because uh, some people believe in there's a finite bubble of money available at any given convention. And if someone's, you spend a dollar with one company, you're taking that dollar away from another, I guess. I don't know. But, so, you're not allowed to sell stuff outside the exhibit hall there. But, what this led to at Gen Con is a mass stampede of the, all these people running to get these highly collectible convention exclusives that... You could buy for buy one figure for $25, immediately sell it to a vendor in the hall for $75. And that's what most people did, it seemed like. Or they would slap them on eBay and try to get a few bucks more. So it was a mad stampede. I saw a stroller nearly get run over, and I just saw all sorts of insanity to the point where I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to get in line. I'm not going to try to deal with this. I'm just done. Goodbye, Heroclix. I mentally checked out on the game at that time. Just because if so much became these 
ravenous people. It, it was like people were getting pushed around, and not it was bad. WizKids didn't have the proper organization, which they're wont to do because they always seem to be short-staffed. Back then, I don't know how it is now. When WizKids was owned by Tops, they would have they had lots of volunteers to run their games. Lots of volunteers. When WizKids went to being bought by NECA, uh, the people that seemed to run it were all out of Maryland, like a little group out of Maryland. Like the guys that became like the rules, lawyers, the judges for the cons, and it was all that little Maryland clique. And they weren't bringing in people outside of that to the extent that Wiz, uh, Wiz kids would do under tops. So, and I think that led to a lot of problems because the demand for hero clicks well outpaced uh, the, their capacity to run events because of that. So they that so they ran into basically when the game came back, they threw out the Hammer of Thor set. They're like, yeah, we already kind of already had this made. Well, <clears throat> because the uh, the death of WizKids. Basically, one day Tops decided, hey, we're not making any more product. We're closing up shop. It was kind of like, what? Heroclix was successful, but then you saw the other stuff they made a lot of that failed. They paid for a Major League Baseball license and sports clicks. They paid for a NASCAR license and the constructible NASCAR race day. They had a Star Wars license for the pocket models game. They had freaky, cre uh, creepy freaks. Like a garbage pail-ish freaky monster game that was meant for kids. They all kind of died to death. Bad. So it was like outside of like Mech Warrior, outside of Shadowrun, but not because they, they had the Shadowrun RPG and they also had Battletech. But outside of and then, oh, how can I forget Crimson Skies, that failed game. And then there was also the failed Shadowrun giant figure game, which the game consists of you have giant Shadowrunners, and I have no idea how it played because I never actually bothered to learn. <clears throat> but that didn't go over well. So you just fail game after fail game, but they had a few really strong licenses here at Lick, so that worked well. Battletech, Mech Warrior, that went well. Um, so they ended up Tops ended up, hey, we're closing up shop. We're not, we're out of this. So Heroclix died for years. And then there's various people trying to get it back. And then they did. They got NECA, NECA bought WizKids from Top. Well, the rights to Heroclix. The Tops, I think, actually still owns Shadowrun and Battletech. And they license it to Catalyst Games. Because, oh, years ago I talked to a guy from uh, Catalyst Games. And he, there's a, a lot of the people that form Catalyst Games and work on Battletech and Shadowrun. There were actually a lot of people that did a lot of, like, uh, fan writing and fan development for the game. And they, and some of those people are what helped get the license for those games from Tops. So that's how Shadowrun and Battletech never really died. 
they kept going, whereas Heraclix was just dead for a few years. Albeit the scene in Cincinnati was still pretty good because in Cincinnati, Ohio, WizKids was located in the old Ralph Partha building, another Cincinnati gaming company, I guess. The, yes, that Ralph Partha that made all the miniatures. WizKids kind of spawned off of that. Jordan Weissman, yeah, there's a whole story there. Um, I'll spare you the history of WizKids. But WizKids Warehouse, while their main offices was in Seattle, their warehouse was in Cincinnati in the old Ralph Partha building. So what happened was WizKids closes. A couple friends of mine had the brilliant idea, hey, I bet they're going to be throwing a lot of stuff out. Let's go dumpster diving. And oh my, it seemed like everything in that warehouse went straight to the dump. We were pulling, they were pulling out bags of convention figures, of uh, like exclusive judge figures, cases and cases of product, factory sets of games. It, it was a bountiful loot of gaming stuff. Mold, there was molds for some of the figures, the actual master molds. I mean, just so much stuff. They grabbed a bunch of it, but they could only grab so much before they just had to throw it out. But before they get, it's like, we can't take anymore. And then some other people were doing it as well. So, but they got so much stuff, they ended up giving back to the Kiriklitz Minium. They were giving out like stuff they dumpster dove for from WizKids as prizes for Heroclix events. So Heroclix kind of stayed alive that entire death period because they had so much crap they got when Tops closed the WizKids warehouse in Cincinnati. So, so that's your Heroclix history lesson for the day. But, but yeah, this... This Origins is, will be, I'm, I actually am doing what I said is kind of insane. I will, as of right now, I'm commuting back and forth to Cincinnati each day. Just, part of the reason the shows have been down a little bit, we've not had any RFIs recently. I got, I've had, my wife's had some uh, medical issues recently. I mean, it's all going to be well, don't worry, nothing, but it was just some stuff that had to be worked through and we're a couple months into it. So it kind of started that from my, coincided kind of with our sabbatical. So, because, well, I wasn't available and then other people had life in. So when you, when you don't have one person kind of pushing like, hey, let's get a show out, let's get a show out. It's easy to start the pot fade, which I really don't want to happen. But unfortunately, sometimes life does kick in, and unless you have a large catalog of evergreen issues, uh, yeah, it's bound to happen. So, <coughs> but yeah, so I'll be doing the commute thing. Um, not like I said earlier. I, I'm once I get there, I'm actually probably going to flip through the event book more and figure out what I want to play, what I want to do. Maybe maybe I'll try out some other games or something. I don't know. I really just see this as this origins for me personally. It's just there's things I you know even though I've been going to conventions for going on, this will be like 14th, 15th year 
Isaac 2003 math hard driving. Um, plus, I also had about five hours sleep. So if I'm rambling some guy on about five hours sleep driving about an hour, 15 hour and a half while recording a podcast. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, so I might even try some other stuff. Maybe try to get in some board games. Some of the board games I have. Um, not really sure. But yeah, it'll be fun times. For sure. I mean, I am sad Origins isn't having their auction though. Some years it seemed like that would be where I would spend most of my money at Gen Con or Origins is the auction. Because, hey, I do a first edition AD&D podcast. I like old stuff. So, I I would sit there and I would buy, like, the old out-of-print Avalon Hill games. Or, I'm also, I'm also into, like, the war gamers. War games with, like, the old books that read, like, textbooks. That's kind of my thing. I love those type of games. So, I could get the, I would also get them very cheap at times, too. Albeit it was terribly annoying, there was a stretch where if you wanted anything under five bucks, it was nigh impossible because Troll and Toad would have a buyer there buying everything. But Troll and Toad is since, if you look at their website and compare it to like seven years ago, their out of print stuff is kind of out of print. They don't carry the same amount of that type of stuff anymore. They're more of the new games. Magic, singles, Heroclix singles, Pokemon singles, Yu-Gi-Oh singles, that type of stuff. They've gotten out of, they used to be, they had everything and it was great. Except when you're in the auction bidding against them and I couldn't score a single game under $5. Whereas before I could buy, like, I was buying copies of that, some Avalon Hill games, like the more common ones. But as I'm trying to fill my collection, two bucks here, two bucks here, two bucks here, five games for 10 bucks, filling gaps in my collection oh yeah but yeah so it was at the point where I was bidding against them and I'm just like ugh it got annoying but don't have that to worry about anymore but yeah there's no auction in Origins which is sad but I know why Ohio has some laws about how auctions any auction has to be conducted any auction in Ohio must be run by an auctioneer, you see. Yeah. So you must have a licensed auctioneer to do it. And so you can't get away with having convention volunteers. Or you can't get away with having Tim Cask and Frank Menser uh, run it like they do at Gen Con. You can't get away doing that. So if you need an auctioneer, it's like, no, I got a vibe, I got a vibe, I got a vibe, I got a vibe, I got a vibe. Oh. Which... It's fine and all, but part of the auction fun at, like, Gen Con is the stories you get to hear Frank and Tim tell. Or when, oh no, I'm blanking on his name. The guy that does Tova. I think his name begins with a J. Tova is the toys, video games, and, like, other wacky stuff. Basically, it's all the really crazy, absurd stuff that the Gen Con auction gets. They auction off on Saturday nights. And they basically just make fun of the stuff while auctioning it off. And it be, kind of became a thing called Tova. And, and basically, you go there, you may not even have any interest in buying anything, you just go there and laugh because it's entertaining. 
excuse me. So, but when you have to have the auctioneer auction, you can't do that. So they uh, no longer. So they they changed the auction. Originally, it was like auction every day. It was great. Uh, then the auction started as the attendance drop. The amount of stuff going in started to dry up some. And I was like, huh. And then, then I think they had to start enforcing the law with the auctioneer. And then they hit the point where they'd have a live auction one day and they'd do silent auction the other two. That's a little awkward because with the silent, when you're doing a silent auction, the, the thing of the con, basically you just get there at the very last moment walk around and be like write down what you want you're not going to be able to bid early and get a great deal unless absolutely no one else wants it so it's kind of like yeah it was real easy just to snipe people and it just didn't quite work out and it was kind of awkward because they would have you write your bidder card number down and if you're like me I routinely flip numbers, and I'm pretty sure the, the year I bid on some stuff, I thought I was the high bid, and I was one of the last people in the hall, but I think I might have wrote the wrong number down, because I, it's just an example, which, considering, like, my real-world job involves me dealing a lot with the court systems, calling them up, getting case numbers, filing information for different, various type of uh, court cases, kind of doing a little uh, process work for uh, like attorney's offices. I'm mad about flipping numbers. So I have to write things down, numbers down. And when I do, say the number's like 7738, I'll write it down as 7783. But then when I go to enter the computer, I'm like, oh, I flipped that. And I, I, my brain comprehends, oh wait, you reversed that. Something tells me I, I, I wrote the numbers backwards. I do that all the time. For whatever reason, like my num I'm slightly number dyslexic. I think I I know dyslexia does run in my family. Uh, my grandma, I think, is actually dyslexic. Um, just from some things about her that we kind of observed over the years, we're pretty sure she's dyslexic. And I flip things. I also I'm right-handed, but there's a lot of things I do left-handed, not, and not that I'm actually coordinated with my left hand, but it just feels right, uh, like I box left-handed. If I were to drop it up, stand at the box, I'm left-handed, but my right hand is my dominant hand, my, for sure. I am absolutely a righty, but when it comes to the standing, I feel far more comfortable standing as a left-handed in the southpaw position. Just like there's certain, uh, things in wrestling, I'm much more comfortable doing it the left-handed way, the motions and the positioning, than I am the right-handed. There's just certain things I want. It's like I want to mirror things, is the way I put it. So, but anyway, that was a rat hole. Uh, but back to the auction. So, I, uh, so they did that for the silent auction thing, and I, I was kind of even looking forward to that, because I like getting old out-of-print stuff. That's kind of my thing. I like the old games. And so, but it's not going to be there. So I'm not sure the amount of uh, auto print stuff at bargain basement prices will be found here. We'll see. Uh, and 
it's not like I'm looking to drop a large, large sum of money here either. It's like I'm not going to be like, oh, I got to get this game, get this game. Because when I really think about it, I'm not really sure. There's nothing that's really wanting me to have a hole in my pocket so I can get it. I mean, I got my fifth edition player's handbook uh, for the home game we're going to be started. So it's like, it'd be nice to get the Monster Manual DM guide. But it's like, yeah, I kind of picked them up whenever, doesn't really need to, so we'll see. We'll see what I end up with. I mean, me and my wife enjoy playing Marvel Legendary, so if I find some good deals on some expansions, maybe. She also likes Smash Up. A lot of my games purchases recently have been more around, like, things me and my wife can play. Because the other thing with my game group is just there's so many people in it. We got a lot of games. So it's like if one person in the group has it and if the only people I'm going to play with is the people in that group, it's kind of like, why do I need to have a copy? Well, me and my wife are going to play it. Yeah. But other than that, it's like, uh, oh, how about I buy something that no one else has? So we kind of got our own little makeshift board game library going on. <clears throat> Which, actually, I, I just thought of something here. I had, Vince has been doing another podcast, Pocket Mimic, and they did a mailbag episode, and they were talking about various, and people are coming in with questions and, like, advice on, like, how to handle their players and, like, a lot of the social issues of gaming, like, when you get players that are difficult or making other players feel uncomfortable, that type of stuff. And one, I like with my, and drawing from my own experiences, I've never really had that. I guess I've gotten lucky that I game with people, I game with friends, and as opposed to, like, random people from the game store. I've I think I played one RPG session in a game store, just to, like, demo. I think it was Contagion, the RPG. And, but that was it. I mean, I, so I don't, I don't game with random strangers. So I avoid a lot of the weird social interactions or don't game with people that aren't really close. So I, I miss out on a lot of that. But... But I will say there actually, I think, is something to be had for home group party construction. You talk about constructing your the party in your game. What about constructing the party as in the players? I mean, in my group, one, they were like on Pocket Mimic in one recent episode. They were talking, in one of the episodes, they were talking about how to handle thing, scenes and stuff where... Like, if something were, like, making players uncomfortable and certain events maybe, like, triggering people to have, like, bad responses, like, either, like, someone was told a story about how they had a character, their character was drowning, and you could see that the character, the player was getting physically upset, and then later to come find out the character, that player actually nearly drowned when they were sick, so it was kind of giving post-traumatic stress flashbacks. Well, I thought, when I was hearing this, I was like, huh, well, 
It's kind of fortunate for my group. My group actually, one of the players is a psychologist. So should we run into those issues? Hey, we got a psychologist at the table to help you work through your emotional issues. Um, also, what's useful to have, one of my players works for a company that does printing. They have, he has access to a perfect binding machine, which means any PDF we would like printed, gets printed and binded in a nice little perfect bound book. It's, so I highly recommend when putting together your home group party, psychologist, person with a printing press, and then you, there's this other, the other one you need. You need Kickstarter guy. There's a guy in my group. He buys like every crazy Kickstarter. It's like we're talking the expensive ones. Gloomhaven. Kingdom Death Monster. And the expansion. He buys it all. If it's a crazy game, he's probably buying it. So we don't have to. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend Crazy Kickstarter Guy as well. I love my people. And they they would probably... I'm sure he would admit, yeah, he's the Kickstarter guy. But yeah, so he gets... So he goes and buys all the really big expensive games so we don't have to. And so it kind of works. And then I'm like the old, and I think my role is, hey, I got all the really old out of print stuff. I'm like, my games are older than me. I, I'll be 39 in October, or November. November, my birthday's in November. Uh, you see, Another problem I've noticed I've, I started having as I get older is I shift everything a year. Like, it, like if you were asking, when did this happen, like an event happened in wrestling or whatever, I'd be in 96. No, it actually happened in 97. But it's consistent. I'm always a year off. And I, don't, I haven't quite figured out why I have that year disconnect in my brain when it comes to doing math. But there's like a year that I always want to shift everything. We are just now passing the Jeffersonville Outlet Mall as I travel up I-71 North. So that puts us at about the 45-minute mark going up to Origins to get to Columbus. So, passing the Jeffersonville exit right now. But with the home, but yeah, I, I absolutely love my home group and it's funny. I actually met them, all of them, by doing what I say I don't do. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, who's actually no longer in the group because they moved away, posted, I, we, we're, none of us are actually even sure how the group got formed other than our friend, m my friend Julie, had put out like a call, I, we think on Meetup, we're not sure, no, we, none of us really remember for a gaming group. So she starts getting some responses from these guys. And then she asked me, like, hey, you want to game? So we all meet up and we start gaming. And we just hit it off. Julie ends up moving maybe eight months after the group started. And that was back in 2008? 2008? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, no... 2008, 2009, somewhere around in there. So we've been gaming together for almost nine years. And, but yeah, we just hit it off. We're friends. We all have, have common interests, even outside of the gaming. Like a couple of the players 
or they're hikers, they like to go camping. So they'll, they'll just go camping or hiking together. I mean, we go very, very different things. Based, and through this, the random meme, we actually just became friends. Actually, good friends, more so than just people you gave. And I think that's also why we don't run into the drama and the issues that a lot of gaming groups have. So, uh, because, yeah, we weren't desperate for games. We kind of got to pick and choose who we gamed with. And because of that, I think we got a better gaming experience. <coughs> and then I'm actually the one who, because they never, none of them had ever been to like Gen Con Origins or any of that. And then I missed, like, one gaming session, and I came back the following week with, like, hey, look at all this stuff I got at Orange Gen Con. We're like, oh, wow. Oh, we need to start doing this. And so they started going down to the convention. And so they're, now they're into, they go to, the, most of my group is going to Gen Con. Uh, one guy, Rob, he's actually camping during Origins. He's got taken his camper, went up to a campground, so he's doing Origins like two days camping the other two. Um, but, yeah, so. But, but yeah, anyway, I, I'm sure you all find the psychological makeup of my gaming group absolutely fascinating. Getting a little hiss there from the radio as I drive through, which I don't understand why, but. Anyways, yeah, as you can't tell, there's no real organization or structure to this. I kind of scribbled a few little note skis down and just uh, just kind of talking to fill fill time and spew out what comes along to my noggin as I'm doing the drive. Just trying a little something different, get you a little content. Think of these as like the special Gen Con special dispatches Jason did, except in long form as opposed to being spread out over like 20 different episodes. Which, if anyone out there actually does have those, we're actually missing them in the RFI archive because what happened was our original podcast hosting, to give you a little behind the scenes, was through Lipson. We had Lipson, hence why how we had an Android and iPhone app. And to kind of encourage people to like, hey, throw the show a couple bucks, you can buy our app get all, and get all the benefits of that. Jason, first year at the RFI was at Gen Con back in 2010, started doing special dispatches. Just little up, random updates uh, that he would post as a app exclusive. Well, though, since they were app exclusive, they never hit the main RSS feed. Fast forward a few years. We moved from Lipson for our hosting because they're actually kind of expensive. They're a good service, but kind of expensive for what they do. Unless unless you have a are really strong into monetizing your podcast. At which point if you are, then if you can monetize it, Lipson's great. But otherwise it's kind of expensive get the hosting you need if you're doing a podcast of any size or any frequency. We, so we ended up, me and Vince, we decided when Jason stepped away from the podcast, because the Lipson account was under 
was in Jason's name. And anyway. So we were like, okay, what are we going to do for us? Yeah, let's just use Art and do what uh, Order 66 does. And they use archive.org. Upload their podcast. We just make our own RSS feed and we'll have, deal with that hosting of that. And then put the storage and distribution of the podcast through archive.org. Works great. But we that meant we had to convert over our podcast and our podcast feed. And which meant downloading all of our podcasts, re-uploading them. Well, it's kind of the pain in the butt, getting the special dispatches. And I think they got lost in the uh, migration and the re-uploading. So I think those got lost to the ether. So unless someone happened to extract them from the app, or uh, I don't know if they even exist anymore. I know... I have uh, copies of Jason's actual play podcast. Maybe at some point we'll, we'll re-release them. I don't know. Uh, but I know those those still exist because I did the editing and I keep like the raw master files for everything. Yeah, usually I keep a finished copy stored locally as well. Or like uploaded. I have like a private Dropbox where I have like raw files of RFI. There's also a missing episode of RFI. Um, we recorded an episode, then stuff happened, and we elected, not due to the content of it, just behind-the-scenes stuff happened, that we're like, you know, let's not really... We elected not to release the podcast. So, it's a lost episode. I know I have that, the raw files for that. It might, I might even have it edited. But I don't remember what issue it was. So there's a lost episode floating around somewhere. But going through, we we have like 194 shows, something like that right now. Not counting like all the mini issues, special inserts. Because we're well over 200 if we count those. And somewhere in all that in my haphazard naming system, we have a lost episode. Maybe if I ever figure out what the lost episode is, maybe I'll release it now. But I don't. Again, it requires me to actually be able to find it. So. But anyway, that so that this podcast actually was also kind of birthed from, we actually had someone on Facebook message us and ask, ask about the Jason special uh, Gen Con dispatch. Their guests were digging through the back catalog, found the reference, and wanted to hear the rest of them. Because we only have like a couple up on the website. And we're like, nah, they're gone. And I'm like, huh, people actually want to hear those things? Yeah, I'll try that. Hey, I'll steal the Mark Rosewater gimmick and do a drive to Origins. <laughs> So, so that's what you're getting here. Yeah, yeah, and I know we've been dead. Uh, me and Nick are actually going to talk about some podcast show ideas too. So we're hoping to get RFI back up and running. Uh, so hopefully we shall be having more content on a regular basis for you soon. 
It's just a matter of getting back into the swing of things. Uh, and like I, I had mentioned earlier, if all works out, I brought my recording gear, so we should be able to get some content recorded for you at Origins as well, and hopefully me and Nick will be able to sit down and record a show, which will be actually the second time I've actually been in studio, so to speak, with a host from RFI. Going way back. And way back. I think this was probably 2010. I was actually in Jason's apartment in New York while they were recording shows. This was back in my producer's days. So I was sitting there listening, listening in and making my notes to edit the show and all that while while Vince, Nick, and Jason were doing the show. So I was in studio for that one. I mean, because really, like, Nick lives up in northern Ohio. I live in southern Ohio. Uh, Jason was in New York when he was on the show. Chad was in Chicago. Sal was on the East Coast. Uh, Vince was in Pennsylvania and now Texas. So we've never really all been in the same place at the same time. Um, I and then, think of, and then Will was out in Seattle. Uh, so, and actually thinking of it, I, I'm probably I've met just about every. The only host of RFI I've actually not met in person is DM Will. I have not. I have actually not met him in person, but. I've actually met everyone else, albeit in various through random means and sometimes inadvertently. Like, I met Vincent and Jason the first time at the RFI meetup they did at uh, Gen Con 2010. And that's actually how I got roped into doing the show. It was like, uh, they were doing their meetup in the hotel lobby of the hotel I was staying at. And I listened to the show. I'm like, I like the show. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go and listen. I'll go and meet, meet the guys. So I met there and started talking to Jason, and I'm like, oh, I do production stuff for uh, wrestling promotion in Cincinnati, so yay, we did it. Uh, and so, so then that's how I got roped to the show. He was like, hey, do you want to do the editing? Because he didn't want to do the editing, because editing audio far easier than video, but to do it well is a pain in the It's a little time-consuming, because you need to re-listen to the stuff at least once. Ideally, you'd be listening to it twice, but I don't. I got my system down. I know what compressors I'm using. I, I pretty much can tell what the sound will be like when I'm done with it the first time through. So, but yeah, no, it was a pain in the butt editing at first. Well, as I got my rhythm for doing the show. But yeah, so that, that's how I met Vince and Jason. And then I had actually met Nick before then, though, I ran into Nick at Origins, and I was actually walking around Origins with my RFI shirt, and he stops me, and a guy stops me, he's like, oh, RFI, that's my podcast. I'm like, oh, it's Nick, hey. So he actually snaps a picture of me wearing his pot, the shirt. Mind you, the shirt is the shirt, the RFI shirt I had on was the shirt I actually won back in episode 17. When they did a t- RFI t-shirt giveaway. So yes, they gave away the, the t-shirt. They, the one t-shirt they gave away ended up to being the guy who ended up producing the show. A bit. 
just weird how things work out. So, but yeah, so that's how I'm, that's how I met Nick. Wearing an RFI shirt, randomly walking down the hall before I was even on the show. Uh, I met Chad actually at the same uh, RFI meetup at Gen Con uh, 2010. And I, and I would see him at Gen Con several times over the years. Same with Jason, too. Sal. I actually met Sal the first time outside the hair arena in 2000? Or no, no. Hair arena. That would, yeah, no, that would have been the ECW TNN taping in 1999. I met him there. And back in the parking lot when he was working for ECW. I actually have a picture of me and Sal from back then. And then, uh, a few months later, February of 2000, they were, there was an ECW, TNN, uh, ECW Hardcore TV taping in Cincinnati. I'm front row for it. And Sal's wrestling. Sal gets whipped into the guardrail. The guardrail gets hit. He hits it so hard, it gets jammed into my side and bruises my abdominal wall. So Sal actually bruised my abdominal wall back in like 2000. So we, I presume, I, I always remember like, fix out my abdominal wall. And then when he emailed in, I'm like, ah, this is weird. That, that you that I told him the story like, yeah, we've met before. Then I told him, meet him in Dayton. How I actually had. My hotel room was next to his. His and Balls, Ma Balls Mahoney. They, they were next door to me that night. And oh, the stories of that night, I can tell you. Just from other people. ECW was insane. I, I would just leave it at that. They are very insane human. It, it, it was insane. But, yeah. So that's how I actually met Sal. Well before... A glimmer of the bar if I even existed. But I, and I don't, and I know Vince has met Jason and Chad. I don't know if Vince and Nick have ever actually met a person. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't think any of us have ever met Will. Um, and I don't think Vince and Sal met me in person either. So. I'm like the one guy who's actually met just about everyone that's actually been a co-host on RFI. And actually, I've never met Crispy either. Him being in Vegas, yeah. Just nowhere even close. So it's like, if they're on the West Coast in a host, I haven't met them. But, yeah. So, but yeah. Hoping to, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, just reboot RFI at get us back up to things. Hit that issue 200 and have an extravaganza, one would hope. Um, but, yeah, just to, just give you a little idea what all goes into the show. I don't, I don't think we ever really did, like, a behind-the-scenes of, like, what goes into producing the show. It's like, usually what would happen for, with an RFI would be Vince would Vince will send out it's like just like a, a rough show outward like format. Hey, here's our topic. This is what we're going to talk about. Blah blah blah. We go and do our thing, and then 
uh, and then sometimes I'll be like, okay, we need a creature, just pick something out of this book, Matt, or whatever, or, or pick a magic item, and then we'll hit a few topics, and at that point we start doing our research, just redoing some reading material, uh, show day, we, we bounce between trying to use Skype and using uh, Discord, Skype used to be great, and then it just became, seems like more like a bloatware. So we switched to Discord, which seems to work really well for multiple group chats, more so than Skype. So we started using that. Um, then we would record our show. And when we record our show, we don't, we typically don't play, if I'm, if I'm doing the recording and editing, we don't play any live bumpers, because up until recently, I actually didn't have that capability, because I mixed everything in in the PC from Mike, my mic, Vince and Nick coming in through Skype. So I would mix those in the computer. So I couldn't really also at the same time play something on the computer and loop it back into itself. It was just a little awkward because I was trying to avoid using any analog cables at all. Keep it entirely digital, get a great sound, but I couldn't play bumpers. So I would record the show, then I would have to go through, chop up the different segments and throw in the bumpers. While I'm doing this, I'm also listening for the show for anything I may need to edit out, any wordy dirts that may be said, uh, or just anything else that, you know, that should, or if Nick goes robotic because his Wi-Fi is acting up, that happens a lot. Uh, or I go robotic because I, I'm, as being the producer, I am technologically cursed at times, probably would also help if I wouldn't be waking up at noon on Sunday when we record a show at 1 p.m., uh, but kind of happens when I'm working a wrestling show on Saturday night and get home late. I'm like, I have to sleep in and try to recover. So, edit that stuff out. And then I'll, I'll also throw like just like a leveler and a compressor on it just to try to and then a, a filter to clear out like any background noise, fan noise, just like hums or hisses you get from your mic. Just it's the general stuff that's low, but it's easy to clean out. So I clear all that out. And I do all that in Adobe Audition. Like some people use Audacity. You can do that stuff in Audacity. It's like I got so used to the Adobe workflow. I can't imagine not using it. It's like it's my baby. I love it. It, yeah, it, it probably does far more than I need it to, and I can do it with freeware and all that. And if you're just starting out, don't buy Audition. Try Audacity, because you can do a lot of it in Audacity. You just have to learn the interface. Just, like, use GIMP instead of Photoshop if you're on a budget. But, because GIMP does everything, most of what... 99% of what a normal person would need. It's only when you get into the real obscure stuff, like the high-level professional stuff, that you really need those higher-end softwares. So, anyways, uh, I would do the editing. I'd do the post-production. Then I'd encode it to MP3 format. And there was a back in time I would also have to take that MP3, throw it in iTunes, encode it in AAC, and do all these weird workarounds because we were also doing AAC chaptering. Because there was a back in time, we had two feeds, MP3 and AAC. Because there was a time when the iPod and iPhone actually uh, supported chapter. So if you wanted to jump to, start the show, but jump straight to Table Manners, or straight to DM Rules, or Sage Advice, or the Treasure Chest, or Creature Feature, you could. You just by boom, 
it's bookmarked there, works great. But then Apple decided, meh, too much work, we're not supporting this, we're more, yeah, bye. So they cut the feature out. It was always a pain in the butt, because I'm a PC guy, I don't own a Mac, and finding software that would actually edit uh, AACs and allow you to throw in chapters was kind of a pain in the butt on a PC, really. So I was kind of thankful it was gone. It makes my life easier. So then after that, so we have it encoded. Um, I'd also th throw in the MP3 tags of the show notes and all that in the MP3 tags. Uh, I then would upload the show to archive.org and then I would make the WordPress, WordPress post find some stuff, like find images like feature image for it and then set it to publish uh, and that's kind of like the workflow of the show and then we would go and repeat and then as you can tell we kind of bounced around between like every other week every week and then again it was we kind of with the show we really had to adjust around our schedules just because we have lives and we're recording on a Sunday because that's what worked best for all of us, but that also means if we any of us had anything going on the weekend, shows would get canceled. So it's like a double-edged sword. There was a time where if I actually recorded on a Tuesdays, back when Jason was on the show, we would do Tuesday nights, and then it moved to Sundays. And but then on Tuesday, when we did like shows during the week, well, actually no. I'm getting you know, we we did some week during the week shows and sometimes those were due to interviews which I'll, I'll get into those but we recorded we actually recorded Sunday more evening but what happened was originally I was gaming on Tuesday nights that's it I was gaming on Tuesday nights but then my gaming moved to Sunday we recorded RFI on Sunday so we started to run into scheduling conflicts and this and this was back when I wasn't on the show I was just editing so. I would start missing some shows. Or I might be a little late to gaming because I think we we were recording early enough where if everything worked perfectly, I could get to gaming. So we did that. And then we moved it to earlier Sundays so that way we would have like our Sunday evenings free. And then we would also occasionally do like shows during the week or whatever for interviews. Because getting guests and then the reason why we don't really do it it can be a pain in the butt uh, from a scheduling standpoint when you're work to schedule a guest for the show. You would have to work around, have the guest be free. At the same time, me, Vince, and Nick are all free. And if that's not during our usual recording time when we have a budget Sunday morning, it, it can get hard. So, it, hence why we don't really do it or, or if or to do an interview, it might be a, a skeleton crew, just because it's hard to schedule guests. Or and then and then also you run in. I remember. I think I've told this story on the show before. It's a Tuesday night. About I'm getting ready to leave for game. My gaming starts at seven. I'm getting ready to leave my house at six thirty. Get a message from Jason. Hey, then they were supposed to record a show that night with Larry Elmore, do the interview, and I wasn't going to be able to sit in because of when recording. Jason messaged me like, hey. I forgot I had some, I have something going on. I can't do the show tonight. Can you call Larry Elmore and tell him we need to reschedule? I'm like, 
what? Yeah, call Gary Elmore. Here's his office number. Here's his home number. Here's his cell phone number. I'm like, what? So at that point, I'm like, um, I call, I have to call up Larry. I'm like, I don't know which number to call for. So I call his home number. And I end up speaking to his wife. And just, they're just really nice people. I mean, they're great. So there was no problem at all. I just called and said who I was. Because they, they've never spoken to me before. So they have no idea who I am. I'm just like, hey, it's Matt. I'm with the World Pernicious Podcast. We had an interview scheduled. Hey, we need to reschedule. Can we work this out? And we did. And we had him on the show. And we had a, a great interview. And that was back in, a, I think that was in the early 30s. I don't actually recall the exact show that it was on. But yeah, we have an interview with Larry Elmore. Um, we all, going way back prior to me, they had uh, Margaret Weiss on. We had Tracy Hickman on a show, and I think that was in the 50s. Uh, so we, we've had various guests. And then the, there was one show where we had a couple special guest hosts scheduled that Vince had to bail, so I ended up hosting the show. So you got to hear me host a show with two people that hadn't been on the show before and I've never talked to before, outside of maybe some uh, post online, some forum post. So we, we had that. I mean, the... So when you do a show, and the more people you have involved with it, the harder it gets to schedule things. So hence why you're more likely to get an interview if we do one, like as a special insert, on location at a con than you are as an actual podcast guest, just because of the logistics work out. Plus you also don't know their mic quality. Do they have Skype? Do they have Discord? I mean... It's logist- There's logistics in behind it that may not always be apparent. Like, hey, why don't you get so-and-so on? Oh, and yeah, we had uh, Jeff Grubb on back in the early days. Back in the early days when it was mostly Jason, when it was Jason, Nick, and Vince, they had more interviews, and I, I think a lot, and so. But, but and then it was also back then, it, the, just the whole podcast thing was new, so there wasn't as many like interviews with people so it was also more also kind of a novelty so it was like oh you get to hear so and so tell their stories from back in the days of TSR and it was just good times so maybe that's something we can try to do again no guarantees though because like I said it's difficult and with everything just having lives and the fact that I have like 8,000 things that always are going on in my life projects and whatnot that my free time between now being married wrestling the podcast I and then if I have movie stuff going on at the same time yeah it gets hard to schedule everything which I and yes and for those curious I actually do have an IMDb page you can find me on IMDb at uh, Matt Fowl F-A-U-L um I've done a few movies locally, um, a movie that I had just some, like, extra work in. A friend of mine actually has uh, a deal with Redbox, and past couple movies he's shot have, ac- or have actually been available for Redbox. Uh, so, you can uh, find his movies on Redbox, and a couple the last two movies he's done that I've been in have been in Redbox, so... Um, for the 
first one that was on Redbox was Three Knee Deep, kind of a urban action film. Uh, you can find that on uh, Amazon, too. So you can buy it off Amazon if you're really curious. Um, the next one will be Straight Out of Hate. Um... Uh, Another another urban uh, totalitarian people resisting against like a corrupt society type thing uh, had some extra work in it and uh, was also location manager as well. So that'll be coming out on Redbox. Not sure when, but it will be. Uh, so. If you see it and curious, check it out when it's there. Um, so, but yeah, so that's also sometimes like I might message you or not be able to because I can I got some movie work. I mean, that's something that I stumbled into on accident. Never really intended to get in the movie. It was just, I made some friends that did some acting work and, and I'm like, they did a thing. Hey, who wants to come and just shoot some stuff for fun? I'm like, yeah, it sounds fun. So I did it. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then it just spiraled from there. The one reoccurring theme that I, for most of what I became involved with, at no point in time did I ever set out like, hey, I want to be involved in professional wrestling. It was really just happenstance. I happened to meet start talking to a guy at who was the manager of like a record store in the mall uh, and he happened to be a ring announcer for a local promotion so I started talking to him and they needed someone to do a website I'm like oh I do a website so I'm like I, I did that and that's how I got into wrestling and next thing you know I'm, I've been doing that for almost 20 years I have a friend I got to see from like him basically starting out in wrestling to now he's in WWE absolutely thrilled about that. I got to work shows with people I grew up watching on television. Like, I've worked shows with, like, Jimmy Snook. I've worked shows with Jimmy Valley and Jerry Lawler, those guys. I mean, and it's kind of, looking back, just kind of surreal. Just like, oh, wow, all this stuff's happened. And it was like, I, like, I remember playing the ECW video game and it, that had Big Salad and next, and then, like, years later, I'm like, I'm doing a podcast with this guy, but... And when I look back at how all this happened, it was just me surrounding myself with interesting human beings. It's not like I had this goal, I'm going to do this, I'm going to meet, I'm going to try to meet people in this so I can do this, so I can do this. It was more like, hang around with interesting people and interesting things will happen. And that's how all of this happened. I happened to just meet people and be like, oh, these people are... These people are interesting. Oh, I kind of like them. I'll hang out with them. Oh, and they're doing and they're doing cool stuff. And I think this can go for life in general. Hang around. And this is some advice here. Hang around the people you would like to be, or people that interest you, inspire passion in you. And it'll just start. And it. it, it but hang around them in a genuine way, not the fake, I'm like, as in like you're trying to use them, as in like you're actually interested in what they're doing. You're actually interested in them as a person and care about them as a person. When you sp And when you hang around those people and spark those type of friendships, 
those, and next thing you know, you're getting involved in similar things. You're having doors open that wouldn't otherwise be opened. If it wasn't for me going to that RFI meetup, I wouldn't, there's a lot of things in gaming I wouldn't have done uh, when it comes to having the ability to talk with Larry Elmore. Uh, the playing a board game with Tim Caskett at the local FLGS. I mean, just such random things like the uh, people I wouldn't have met and the experiences I wouldn't have had because I just didn't take that moment. Hey, I kind of like what these guys are doing. Hey, I'll go meet them and just talk to them. And then through that, uh, an actual friendship sparked and it just grew from there to what I what my part of the podcast is becoming everything that goes with that. It's just like with wrestling. If I wouldn't have sparked that friendship with that store manager in Tri-County Mall in Cincinnati, Ohio, the manager of the music land, who happened to be the ring announcer of a wrestling promotion, I wouldn't have become in wrestling. I wouldn't became involved in professional wrestling. I wouldn't have met one of my best friends in the world who was actually the best maid because yes I had a female best man at my wedding I wouldn't have met so many people that were so important to me and so important in my life if it wasn't for that one happenstance meeting and sparking a friendship with someone that I found interesting and been having it be a true genuine friendship oh like if I wouldn't have met uh Slick Rick, that the ring ring announcer at Cincinnati, my life would be very different, so very different, because there'd just be so many people I wouldn't have met, and it's those types of meetings I think, and it's those types of personal connections that really help you in life I think, and. And by being around people that are successful, by being around people that are doing what you want to do and what you want to be or just spark you, you start learning from them and not from them teaching you, just by observing them and do what they do. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about, but the wrestling promoter I work for, Roger Ruffin, I work for the Northern Wrestling Federation in Cincinnati, Ohio. He was a referee for the WWF for like 20 years. Uh, started in like 83 when he was 18. And he uh, refereed for them. And he, he was actually the referee for Bret Hart and Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. He's refereed WrestleMania. And that one shot, if you watch wrestling, and if you watch... Uh, like a lot of the highlight packs, you'll show that face to face of Bret Hart, Roddy Piper. He's right there in the center of that. He's going to be all over WWE television forever, probably, because that one moment in time. And so, being able around him, and he got to be around all those stars of the '80s, all those stars of the '90s, and you get to learn from him and learn from his experiences. And he's trained some great people. I mean, we've had just to give you an idea of like people that have either been a part of our promotion or trained at our school. I mean, we've had like Wildcat Chris Harrison, the monster miss from TNA, Carl Anderson, WWE, 
trained with us. We had uh, Dean Ambrose wrestled for us for a couple years. A guy who once put me in a chokehold in a uh, I'm not even sure why he did it. Just he's a little weird. The character, he's kind of like his character. Uh, those guys come through it. We had Fergal Devitt come in and do a training. Not because we were paying him or giving him money. No, he was just hanging out with his friend Carl that happened to stop in and he worked it, helped us out. We've had Shinsuke Nakamura, Yoshihiro Tanahashi, AJ Styles, and more cut promos for us on our little internet show. Or just a little internet promotion in Cincinnati. We got the, and I got to kind of be a part of all of that. Just through one hand happenstance me. And that is what I think. And it was just the one hand says happens it's meeting. It's weird here to how those little moments in time change your life so much. So just kind of think about that. If you want to get in gaming and you want to make games, start talking to people that are doing that. And just start talking to them, but in a genuine way, not in the like, I, I want to pick your brain and use it and Think about what you're also giving to them. Because you'll find a lot of people are really, really giving. And if you show that you're genuine to them, they'll want to give even more. They'll want to help you more. And then you never know when you might be able to help them. Maybe they'll be like, hey, I need someone that can do this. I can do some art or layout or editing or whatever. And next thing you know, you'll be like, um, I can do that. That's how I got in wrestling. There, I sparked up a friendship, and the announcer's like, hey, we need someone to do our website. We need a website. And this was back in the early 90s. I'm like, I can do a website. And look, the next thing you know, I've been wrestling for 20 years. One happenstance meeting, genuine friendship, taking advantage of the situation. And that's how you spark friendships. And how you help change and shape your life into what you want it to be. So, just keep that in mind, and and just a little life advice, and, and then you, you'll find yourself just doing some amazing stuff. And I'm actually not terribly far from Origins. I'm actually uh, in downtown Columbus, at on at the corner of Fourth and Broad at a stoplight. Got a few more blocks north, hanging a left, and then I'll be at origins so yeah but yeah i don't know this this is interesting and if you're out there listening to this for me doing this podcast i mean this is something very different something very free form um i kind of had a little note a little bit of notes scribbled down for like maybe i'll talk about this or talk about that but i really didn't know where i was going maybe you can tell probably you could but that doesn't matter if you found it entertaining, enjoying, informative, or whatnot. Um, so let me know if you enjoy this. And maybe if I'm driving to like Gen Con or something, I'll do one. Then I'll be, that'll be like a two-hour extravaganza. So hopefully I'll have a uh, writing companion or something uh, doing free form for a couple hours. It seems a little intimidating at the moment. 
why, but we'll see. Let's see, they're coming up. Yeah. But yeah, let me know if you like this, if you found it, if, if it's worth your while. Um, feedback's appreciated. Um, also, if there's any topics you'd like to hear us talk about on RFI, we would love show suggestions. What you like, what you don't like. Leave us stars. We like stars. We like ratings because that actually does. The way iTunes works, your ratings do affect uh, where you get put on in the search results. So, actually, is it even called iTunes anymore? You can tell I'm so out of it because I think it's like Apple Podcasts now because they're dropping the iTunes gimmick. I don't know. I'm just so disconnected from the uh, tech world at the moment. I, I used to be a huge tech TV guy. Love tech TV. That would be the only... I had, like, the most expensive cable package back in the day, just so I could watch tech TV. I don't have cable anymore. I used to watch a lot of, like, This Week in Tech and that type of stuff. But I don't anymore because, you see, Leo and Twit, it just seemed to be going downhill a lot compared to where it was. And there's a whole bunch of drama. You could say total drama if you want like behind the scenes going on with it. And I just kind of fell out of love with Leo and the Twit Network. So I stopped. So I just kind of fell out of the loop with that. So yeah. Because that was re really where I was getting all my tech news. Now the only tech news I get is from the tech news I get from listening to No Agenda Show. The No Agenda Show with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Uh, so yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, anyway, but yeah, as I digress again, uh, yeah, just let us know what you would like to hear more of on the show. Because um, I know we've done reviews on like, we were doing some reviews on like all the hardback books just and we can do, uh, oh, that car's parked. It's not actually there. Why is it parked in a no-stopping zone, a little zip car? Really? Okay. Let's see. That one's coming. I right turn. Yep. Okay. I'm very close to the convention center. I can see the Hyatt. Uh, yeah. You have to hear Matt drive because, yeah, driving takes, okay, Turn right here, ski. Okay, turning right. Okay. But yeah, let us hear what you want to hear on the podcast. Um, anything you'd like us to cover? Do you like hearing us do the old reviews? Would you like us to dig up more uh, OSR product and review them like the new releases in the OSR world? So yeah, just kind of let us know what you want to hear out of the show. Because we like hearing your suggestions, and if you'd like to hear it, maybe you can turn us on to something we didn't even know about. So I'm getting ready, about ready to turn into the parking garage here. But there's a gaggle of gamers walking across the entrance to the uh, parking garage, all wearing black. They actually are. This, this it's like we're living a stereotype here. Uh, okay, what is going on here? Trying to turn, still trying to turn because every time the road gets open, a gaggle of gamers walk through. Okay, success. All right, ski. We are pre-parking, pre-pay ski for $10. Uh, 
I will gladly take $10 parking. You see? Uh, parking at Gen Gun would be like double that. So $10, that'll till 6 a.m. the next day. Great, that sounds wonderful, magical. You're gonna get to hear me talk to the ticket ticker. So just bear with me a moment, because I'm gonna keep this going until I actually park. Lucky you. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Hello? Uh, yes, please. Thank you. Okay, so now that is done, now to find a parking spot. Fortunately also, usually the parking garage, I always park in the parking garage attached to the hotel and convention center. Yeah, it's more, and if I went around the block, I could park outside for probably about five bucks. But it's convenient just having your car attached because I walk back and forth to the car a lot like if I need to unload something Ooh, this is a parking space right next to some dude in the wall okay yeah there we go alrighty I have now pulled into my parking spot at in the garage so with that it is time for me to let this go wow I've been recording for an hour and 40 minutes wow this went a lot longer than I thought Oh yeah, well I did have to take a little detour to the ATM, so that's kind of why. So with that, anyways, it is time to wrap this podcast up. And so, and so with that, instead of talking Origins, it's time for me to be walking around Origins. And keep it original, keep it old school, and good morning, everyone. Bye.